Hey everybody, welcome back to the Macro Compass. Yes, QT matters, but no, QT is not the end of the world. Don't panic on QT headlines, that's the main message from the article. So instead of chasing the screens, perhaps I thought it's better to understand what QT really is and what to look for in the next announcements of quantitative tightening from the Federal Reserves and other central banks around the world. So quantitative tightening is exactly the opposite of QE. A central bank reduces their balance sheet by basically eliminating reserves, and they force the private sector to rebalance their asset composition from zero-risk, zero-duration reserves if you're a bank, or zero-duration bank deposits if you're a non-bank, like a pension fund or an asset manager, into credit and duration-intensive bonds. So exactly the opposite as what QE does, you now have less reserves in the system and the private sector needs to absorb more collateral on top. Now, one of the key points I want to make is that no money is destroyed by QT. As QE creates no money, but just bank reserves, QT destroys no money, but just reduces the amount of bank reserves in the system. So reserves are destroyed, and this reduces the collateral reserves imbalance and the incentive to move down the risk curve that were created by quantitative easing. This is very important, and one of the key things to look at are repo levels. Why is that? So imagine you are a pension fund, right? And uh, for example, a European pension fund. And the quantitative easing by the European Central Bank has basically forced you to, sh to shift your asset side composition from you know, a bunch of bonds, equities, and a little bit of bank deposits into less bonds and more bank deposits. Now, if you're a pension fund now, you need bonds for a couple of reasons. First of all, you need to match the duration of your liabilities. Regulators ask you to own bonds and you need some income as well. You instead now have more bank deposits that carry zero duration risk, most likely zero interest rate and some counterparty risk. You really don't like that. So what you end up doing is you reverse repo, which means you lend your bank deposits or your cash equivalents away and you get back some collateral in the form of government bonds. Why do you do that? Because now instead of a unsecured bank deposits at, the, uh, at a commercial bank in Europe, for which you get paid an awesome minus 58 basis point, you have at least a uh, somehow secured collateralized reverse repo operation, which has as collateral some highly rated government bonds. And, you know, levels are initially more or less the same. Now, as more pension funds tend to do that, because as I said before, the imbalance between the amount of reserves in the system or inert bank deposits and the collateral is too much skewed towards uh, reserves and bank deposits rather than collateral, which gets uh, sucked away by QE. As many pension funds, asset managers and banks do that. So they basically lend, try to lend away these reserves and to get back some collateral, repo rates actually drop. And when repo rates drop, being short, government bonds becomes much more expensive. Now, if, this, if, if it becomes more expensive, what this also leads to is to lower volatility. Because every time these government bonds, the risk-free rate, especially credit spreads, tend to sell off, you will have a large and growing amount of excess reserves trying to chase and see this as an opportunity to effectively load on on these risk-free government bonds. Now, as there is lower volatility and there are and repo levels become more expensive and there are more and more reserves into the system and less and less collateral, the other effect of QE is that generally investors tend to move down the risk curve. Now, if this is what QE does, QT does exactly the opposite of this. 
it reduces the amount of reserves in the system and at the same time asks the private sector to step up and absorb more collateral marginally more than what it used to do before. If you do this for long enough until the level of reserves in the system become too little and nobody knows exactly how too little is, you end up like the September 2019 example, or you might end up with a situation like that. Back then, the Federal Reserve reduced the balance sheet by about uh, $800 billion, if I'm not mistaken, for two years in a row, until at some point, the level of reserves in the system were simply too low. And what happened in September, in September 19 is that ripple levels spiked and the Federal Reserve had to come back and do, uh, basically help out the, the repo market once again. And then they finally pivoted and restarted QE. Now, should you panic? No, because there are four main difference or four main pillows, as I call them in the article, that will help the US and central banks across the world to cushion this quantitative tightening exercise. If we look at the US, the first point is that the starting level and the pace of QT are very important. Now, nobody knows exactly what is the amount of excess liquidity which holds the system comfortably together, but reducing the balance sheet from 9 trillion to 7 trillion in the US in a couple of years is probably unlikely to make everything blow up, ceteris paribus. The second thing is the standing repo facility. In July 2021, the Fed introduced a permanent repo facility, which basically allows market participants to lend securities at the Fed and to get back cash for a rate about 25 basis points higher than Fed funds rate. So this might not be enough to fully shield the repo market from huge distress like September 19, but definitely it helps to reduce tail risks. The other thing to consider is that the Treasury generally works with the Fed and tries to cushion quantitative, uh, the effect of quantitative tightening in markets by changing their issuance strategy. So as we discussed before, the private sector is now called to absorb more securities that carry duration and credit risk, and it owns less reserves once QT starts. Treasury, on the other hand, can help by temporarily shifting the issuance of new collateral, new securities towards bills, which carry pretty little duration and also pretty little credit risk. And hence, this would facilitate the task of the private sector at the beginning, at least. The other thing that helps a lot is the reserve, um, is the reverse repo facility. So that's a release valve because the additional bill issuance that the, the Treasury could decide to go for could be easily absorbed by money market investors, which today are placing 1.6 trillion of excess liquidity back at the Federal Reserve in the reverse repo facility because there is absence of any decent collateral yielding any decent spread or levels above the ones offered by the reverse repo facility. So if the treasury, if the treasury shifts the issuance pattern towards bills, this could get absorbed by some of the money parked at the reverse repo facility. The starting point is 9 trillion at the balance sheet, which is pretty large. Uh, the pace, therefore, the starting level of QT are very important. And the fact that the standing repo facility sits there to try and cushion the tail risk of a September 2019 repo events 2.0 all make me think that there is no reason to panic and chase headlines about QT. What's really important is to understand what QT really does, how it works, and what to look at. And in a nutshell, you should, you should watch for the announcement on the pace of QT, which is very important, the updated treasury issuance strategy. So are we going to shift to bills issuance? Yes or no. You should look at repo rates and credit spreads because those are the backbones of our financial system. And any widening in these rates, any meaningful widening would start to signal that something is wrong. But please don't panic on QT headlines. 
The last thing I want to say in this short podcast is if you like my work, you can also follow me on Twitter at macroalf is the handle. And please subscribe to the Macro Compass, which is my free newsletter that delivers unique macroeconomic insights and actionable investment idea. Talk to you next Monday.